This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies ed tech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and it helps you assess student performance through actionable real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of different tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com forward slash B-E. That's IXL.com forward slash B-E. All right, so welcome to another episode of Tell Me This. I am your co-host, Carrie Borkowski, and I am here with my co-host, Danielle Scarano. Hello, Danielle. Hello. I cannot wait for you to introduce this next guest. Oh, my goodness. I was going to say first that I feel like I get to see you. It's weekly, but it's even more than weekly, which makes me super excited that, that you're like showing up in a Zoom room near me all the time, So, which is very cool. So, yes, I'm... I'm also very excited. And as you'll hear when you listen to the interview, I was trying really, really hard not to be that weird fangirl. Um, <laughs> I think it came out a couple of times, but um, our guest, who I'll introduce in just a second, was so gracious and kind and and sort of managed my fandom, which was really nice. So, so I, Danielle, am so excited and still can't believe that she was on our podcast. Um we had the opportunity to interview Christine Dercole. She is a public speaker who, whose work is rooted in self-talk. Her word shops are word, workshops for editing our self-talk into the story we want our lives to tell. Her catalog of word shops span topics from body image to addiction and loss to corporate culture growth and tea building. When not writing word shops, like is, if, as if that's not enough, I know. Christine is riding bicycles. She is a decorated competitive track cyclist. She is a master's world champion and five time national champion as a senior instructor at Peloton. There's our connection. Mm-hmm. <laughs> her classes are grounded in the science of cycling and the power of words. Her unique style of mindful motivation inspires members of the Peloton community, reaching thousands of devoted riders every day. She's also a graduate of Carnegie Mellon University, former master trainer for Swin Indoor Cycling, and Will Power and Grace has been in the fitness industry for over 17 years. So, Danielle, I mean, what did you think of this interview that everybody's getting ready to hear? I I have to tell you, I was on a high for the entire weekend. <laughs> I know you were too. Yes. I'll, the the one major takeaway out of many that I heard from Christine was this fundamental human need and right to feel seen, valued, and heard Mm. belonging. And I know that you, that's something that we talk about a lot. I like how she focused on that. And then the other piece that I really loved was her mantra. I am, I can, I I will, will, I I do. do. Yes. Mm. I had to just pause on that to think about it. And she, her words and her inspiration just made me feel like every day I want to show up better than I was yesterday. Mm. So that's really 
how I, I feel like I'm living and breathing. What did you think? Because I know that you were on a cloud <laughs> nine all weekend and I love it. I mean, your continued expansion can spend, continue to expand me. So yeah. what do you think? How do you feel? Well, you know, as I shared with both of you, because I, I just show up as my authentic self, even when it looks really clumsy, I was very nervous for that interview. It was the first time in a while that I've been nervous to do the podcast. And so I did, you know, of course, what we always do, which is a lot of prep. And I think my nervousness, Danielle, was and I don't meet a lot of famous people that, you know, I get to, you know, do Peloton with on a regular basis. I think my worry was that I had built Christine up to be you know, you create an image of someone, right? So like when they show up in the training sessions, you naturally start to tell a story about who you think this person is. And, and I know upon self-reflection that I could be totally wrong. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I was just hoping that what I was seeing on the bike, when she shows up as, I mean, I told her and you'll hear it in the interview. I never imagined when I bought a Peloton that I would be working my tail off and also in this calm, reflective place, thinking about really hard things and working my tail off going up this hill. And when I was thinking about that and, and listening to her and learning from her, I just really hoped that all that authenticity, authenticity that she shares on the Peloton in the Peloton sessions would show up in our podcast. Mm -hmm. And darn it, Danielle, did she deliver in spades? Mm -hmm. She I mean, she, she's smart thoughtful. I mean, she made me feel like I belong and that she was seeing us and hearing us. And I mean, it was just such a treat and a pleasure to be able to talk with her for an hour. Um, and she really did give us her time. You know, she didn't rush us through. She, you know, eased into the conversation as you'll hear in a moment. And I think the other thing, I mean, there's so many takeaways and we don't want to give them all away in the introduction. I will say that you should definitely, if you can listen to this episode, sitting somewhere quietly and still with either a computer or a pen and paper or a journal in front of you, it would be worth it mm -hmm. because there is a moment in the podcast where we ask her about her mantra, this, I can, I am, I will, I do, and some stories around that <clears throat> and what she proceeds to do, which was completely unexpected and amazing she literally took us through our mini word shop. Mm -hmm. And so if you can, or maybe you'll want, listen to it again, I did it. Like Danielle and I were doing it as she was sharing the different parts of this, this mantra. And I've been doing it actually every day since the interview. Um, and it's just, she's right. It's so powerful to to stop and notice. Um, and I think, you know, Danielle, the other shameless plug that I'll make for this intro is some of the things she was saying made me so excited and was so affirming because it's stuff that I'm writing about in this book. Mm -hmm. And so it's just really makes me happy that someone I admire and really respect is saying some of the things that I also already believe. So mm -hmm. I think, I don't know about you, but I think our listeners are in for a real treat and will not be disappointed by this, this episode with Christine Dercole. So I agree. And the last thing I'll say before they listen is the most, the thing that I'm most grateful for in this podcast, Carrie, is I get to sit down and talk with you and our guests for an hour. And I know that every time I sit down with you, you expand my thought process mm. every single time. Mm. And Christine is one of the eight guests that we have that expanded my thought and action process. And I never thought I'd be able to do that or say that. 
And so that's just a moment of gratitude. And I hope that people do listen to this more than once, one yeah. down sitting, maybe once while they're on the Peloton listening to her again. Who knows? But <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm excited yeah. for everyone. Yeah, me too. And yeah, I mean, I am excited. And this 10 part series that we're doing on leadership and the paradox playlist. Oh gosh, Danielle, so far so good, right? Like mm-hmm. this has been, you're, you're exactly right to use the word expand. Cause I feel like every time I prep for one of these and have a chance to talk to the person we're interviewing. And then when you and I prep for it, I just feel like I'm, I'm, I don't know, as I go with reminded us, it's like reinvention, right? Like it's, mm-hmm. it's just integrating, integrating and folding over and changing and expanding. And so I just, yeah, I love this work and I'm just so grateful to Christine, um, Derek Cole for coming on. And so I hope everybody enjoys this, this episode of tell me this, uh, with Christine, Derek Cole. Thanks everybody. Enjoy. All right. So welcome back to another episode of tell me this. I am over the moon actually with our next guest who's here. Uh, Danielle, welcome. First of all, I am your co-host, Carrie Borkowski with my co-host, Danielle. And again, I'm just thrilled to introduce uh, Ms. Christine Dercole to the podcast. Many of you out there, I'm sure know her as the amazing Peloton instructor she is. Um, We've shared with you in the intro, all of her amazing accomplishments. And so Christine, we're just I'm serious, like from the bottom of my heart, just thrilled that you took the time to be on the podcast with us. So thank you. I thank you so much for reaching out. It means a lot to me that um, anyone wants to hear what I have to say outside of class. (laughs) Um, Very, very seriously. And that's not coming from a place of like, oh, why would anybody want to hear me? Mm -hmm. It's, It's coming from a place of knowing that my messaging is possibly very counterintuitive mm-hmm. to your general fitness messaging. It kind of goes in reverse and flips it upside down. Yeah. So yeah. thank you for hearing me. Yeah, absolutely. When it's funny because when Danielle and I were thinking about this, you know, 10 part series on paradoxical leadership, I joked with Danielle and immediately said it would be amazing to have Christine Darkole come on because what she does in Peloton to me is runs completely contrary to what I thought when I bought a Peloton bike and I was going to train my rear end off and sweat like crazy. I never imagined that the the ride I'd be drawn to would be called reflection and that I would be listening to meditative music, burning my legs, going up a big hill. So you are the perfect person <laughs> to come on this podcast. Yeah. Seriously. So grateful. So, Agreed. yeah. So, so you really do have a knack for taking what, what I, I would call multiple narratives, um, you know, that, that often are conflicting. And I just read an article, I think was written, um, actually it was last fall in 2020 about you. And you were quoted as talking about that, you know, in your own life story, the frustration about around, being big and beautiful or, or too big to be cute. Right. And so that these, these, again, these multiple narratives that seemed in conflict and you've created these ideas that I love from, from the Peloton and some of your, um, word shops that I've been able to listen to talking about, I'm bigger than the small, you know, a smaller pant size. And one of my favorites, Christine, is you talk about the numbers are there to empower you not to have power over you. And so, clearly you have a knack, not just for biking and cycling, but for words. I mean, you really do. And so 
I'm wondering if you could talk, we're going to get to the paradox in a minute, but just to set it up, could you talk a little bit about what your definition of leadership is? Like, what does that mean to you? Well, leadership, good leadership, mm. good. There's a lots of different kinds of leadership. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> good leadership that feeds the people. Mm -hmm. I believe is about transparency, authenticity, and not the kind of social media authenticity, like, oh, look at me without a filter. Oh, mm. look at me without makeup. Like, stop. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's plenty of that and it has its purpose. Um, but authenticity, like being able to say, I am scared mm. or I know my weaknesses. Um, and leaning into community to fill each other's gaps. Mm. To me, that is a piece of good leadership. Um, when I was younger, a lot younger, I read, <laughs> it's funny, I read The Once and Future King, mm -hmm. story mm -hmm. of King Arthur and the Knights mm -hmm. of the Round. Side note, I was 14 when I read that obsessively in my grandparents' basement on the green Sears exercise bike. <laughs> no and way. I would read 10 pages and then I would look down and see how many miles I went. That's awesome. I read another 10 pages and I'd look down and see how many miles I went. <laughs> this is very, very relevant, by the way. Mm. Remind me to go back to that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'm writing it the down. point of King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table was that whether it was, there's debate whether it was truly 10, I mean, sorry, 12 nights or 100 nights or 1600 nights, that the voices of all of the leaders of each of the communities within the bigger community were heard. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of listening and that kind of incorporation of other ideas and other perspectives was so it just really triggered something in me, a curiosity, a way of thinking, mm -hmm. um, which go with me here. Cause it yeah. might sound like a leap. <laughs> um, I don't know if you've heard me talk about octopus <laughs> on any of my rides. <laughs> I know big leap. The, um, the same way I am intrigued by that in terms of leadership, mm -hmm. the creature, the octopus with its eight arms mm -hmm. has cognizance, thinking, feeling, sensing, um, problem solving abilities in every one of its arms. Mm -hmm. Imagine that we could see, smell, feel, sense, understand, have compassion, have empathy and comprehension from eight different perspectives. Oh, oh wow. How differently we would behave with how much more, how many more problems would we solve with how much more grace mm -hmm. if we could think that way, or at least employ the idea that there are other ideas yeah. mm -hmm. that we need to at least hear. Yeah. Mm. Oh my gosh. 
I'm like having a mind, I'm like my mind, people can't see it, but like my mind is blowing right now. Cause I'm thinking, I mean, Christine, the, I love the metaphor of the octopus. I'm thinking in, I mean, our political system is so polarized right now. If we could just have two, if we could just hold two perspectives, right. And then eventually get to the octopus, how, how amazing that would be. So I love, I love that for sure. I want to, can we go back to the green bike and the miles? I want to hear what the significance of that is. As you know, I often tell people to shut off the numbers. Yep. In reflection ride, absolutely yep. get rid of the numbers. Um, in power zone class, I will tell you mm-hmm. occasionally, I'm sure Matt Wilpers is there like, what is she doing? <laughs> <laughs> this is my style. Yep. Yeah. To take a minute, trust yourself, trust the sensations in your body, maintain where you are, close your eyes for one minute. Yes. Mm-hmm then look at the numbers Mm. or don't, but like you've got to, the numbers are not the be all and the end all. They are information. So reading the book, Mm. getting through, okay. I know it's just one number is replacing another, but I was reading story. Mm -hmm. I was reading story. And sometimes I would forget 10 pages and I would just keep going and think, Oh my God, look, now look how many miles I rode because I wasn't looking at the numbers. Right. Wow. Mm. And I, when I think about that, I like, holy crap. That's kind of how I teach. Yeah. 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 I'll set you up Mm -hmm. with a story, a task and a thought to carry you through that task, let you do it and call you back when we're done. I think that it's, is it the correct use of the word paradoxical to be chasing a number, but not use the number as the tool to get to the number? Because it's not really about the number. It is about tapping into the focus. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. is about your internal narrative that says I've hit a physical wall of fatigue where I don't know how I'm going to tap in or go any further or work any harder And then we stop. I myself experience when I'm chasing a certain output for a certain period of time and it hurts and I throw my hands up and I'm like, I can't use a number. No matter how many times I say I am, I can, I will, I do. Because then I'll say I am, I can, I will, I do. What I say that eight times, it's got to get me through this period of time. (laughs) I'm just doing different kinds of math, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and then I look up and I, None of the time that I thought had passed, it passed. Totally. And I get frustrated. Yep. And that's where we have to shift our focus and stop chasing the numbers. Yep. Because we have we have um we've created a numerical um definition of success. Yes. Mm-hmm. We're focused everything. on outcomes. We're focused yeah. on outcomes. You know, be be damned the journey, right? The journey isn't isn't the important part. And I think that's the paradox of you're talking about with chasing the numbers. I mean, I I love when you remind us just to ride the damn bike and then you say, oh, yeah, by the way, it's not about the bike. So if you hate biking, it doesn't matter (laughs) because it's about everything else. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, Yeah. for sure. Do you I'm curious, Christine, do you I'm sorry, I was just going to ask a follow up really quickly, Danielle. Yeah, go for it. Do you consider yourself a leader, Christine? I consider myself. So funny that you ask me that. When I was looking over your questions ahead of time, I was like, 
she's asking me about leadership. (laughs) (laughs) Transparency. I was like, I'm not the leader. Um, And then I was like, I am in some regards for some people, Mm -hmm. for those who hear me. Um, And so, yes. But that was not my initial. Yeah. Right. So it was like the, the ego aside, like, I was like, oh, I'm not, I'm not like the leader here. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) okay. (laughs) Well, it's interesting that you mentioned good leadership and these qualities. And you said, um, when you talked about the eight arms of an octopus, I, I thought about eight questions that I had for that, but I did want to circle back to these skill sets you did talk about, and that's transparency, authenticity, trust, listening, community. I mean, before I do get into the I, a question about paradoxes, because you also blew our minds with that already, when you talked about transparency and authenticity, how much of this in your journey and when you see as good leadership is embedded in this self-awareness and this emotional awareness, because you said, you know, authenticity is admitting that I am scared. So how much of this in leadership are you feeling you're seeing yourself as, as scared and how much of that then, you know, what does that take in order to even admit I am scared to a group of people? I think that, um, at some point, which I'm, I struggle to pinpoint exactly. Um, Actually, I can pinpoint it. I, you kind of just helped me realize something. Uh, so thank you. When I was in college, there was a teacher, her name is Victoria Santa Cruz. And she is known as the Peruvian mother of dance and theater. She was a black woman growing up in Peru, in the 50s, the 60s. And she used children's games like like clapping games jump rope games and hitting sticks and making rhythm patterns with sticks and jump ropes and other uh props that she would bring to this class called rhythm at carnegie mellon when i was studying acting back in the 90s and she she would set us up two people with the jump rope We'd all line up, we'd have our sticks and everyone was to go in and go and then get out. And then the next person comes in and repeats and does the same thing. And when we were all present and in sync, magic Mm -hmm. happened. When, when the rhythm continued, I I, I have chills thinking about it. I remember there were just a couple moments where it actually happened, where everyone was present. But then somebody like me would get my turn in line and I'd be like, I can do this. I grew up a dancer. I, this is a dance. This is a rhythm. I, I, and then screw the whole thing up. I did it all the time because I was leading with my ego. And she would stop the class and she'd say, no, no. So you were in your head. She would tell me I was anticipating. She would tell me I was hesitating. So she used these forms of of rhythm games to literally get a view 
a snapshot of our schemas mm-hmm. of how we wow. live our lives through this this experiment, this rhythm experiment, and how we behaved in the game. She got so frustrated with me one time. She invited me. She said, you're going to dance for me. You're going to bring a piece of music that you don't know very well, and you will plan nothing. Oh, Improv. That sounds rough. <laughs> yes, ma'am. I was petrified. I was scared. I didn't have a choice but to go. I mean, I guess I did, but that would have been bad. Yeah. You're in school, you're <laughs> school, you know, yeah. you go. Plus she was in, I was so intimidated by her. She was not intimidating. I was intimidated by her mm-hmm. because I knew she could see me. Mm-hmm. So I went and I danced. And I had moments when I was dancing where I was free and I had moments where I was dancing when I was scared and I had moments where I was dancing where like, I don't know what the, to do. <laughs> and finally the song is over and she sat me down and she said, here's what I see. Every time you're about to create something new, every time you were about to create new movement and expression, you reverted back to a thing you knew in the past. Wow. Mm-hmm. Like instead of creating some new movement, I did an arabesque. Mm-hmm. And she said, until you allow yourself to fully risk, you will never grow. She says, you are lukewarm Mm. and safe. Be hot, be cold, never be lukewarm. Mm. So to answer your question, that was the very first moment. Like that was a punctuated moment in my life where I realized transparency and authenticity is the key. Mm -hmm. I didn't know how to employ that, (laughs) but but I became aware, a synapse connected in my head in that moment that day where I was completely heart naked Mm. with her. Yeah. Yeah. And I realized it was okay. It sounds to me to the definition of vulnerability. That's it. I mean, when you talked about courage, Dr. Brene Brown ties courage to vulnerability. And when you said open you up naked, that's what it is. Yeah. It reminds me, Danielle, too. And I know you're going to get to this question. Um, In the last episode, we talked about what the research says about embracing paradox. And what the research tells us is that cultures and leaders and companies that embrace paradox create space for creativity. So what your teacher was telling you is spot on, right? It's exactly what we have been talking about. So I love, I just love that illustration. So thank you for that, Christine. Thank you. And that's something I, even that story, Christine, you call yourself a storyteller and that story in itself will stick with me for the rest of my life. So I appreciate <laughs> you bringing that. Yeah. And, you know, we've already talked about paradoxical thinking in this, in this interview and you even you, I mean, I see the constant embodiment of your life as the multiple narratives and the ability to shift perspectives. And even when you were talking about community and leadership, you spoke about the integration of perspectives and Carrie and I, as we have conceptualized paradox and paradoxical mindset, we see this as the integration of multiple narratives that can sometimes, you know, 
understandably cause some seeming tension or discomfort. And as you embodied a sense of integration, we're wondering, you know, how paradox, the role of paradox and paradoxical mindset fits into your definition of leadership and essentially how you live your life. So can you tell us a little bit more about that? (laughs) How I live my life. Easy question. Yeah, right. Loaded. I know. (laughs) I, I, I think that, um, I live my life working to be completely true to myself. Mm. And sometimes my truth one day might feel very different than my truth on another day. And they are both true at the same time. they might, you know, one truth might be more driving my actions during a particular time and something else is driving my actions at another time. That doesn't mean I'm like, I don't know who I am today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know exactly who I am today yeah. and this is what I'm doing today. Um, it means not editing myself. Mm. And in terms of trusting my instincts, um, my relationships. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if I, if I judged myself, I would not have been able to fall in love with this guy. He's a, he, this is a male. <laughs> He's of the male species, which is a big surprise to me for being out for 10 years. I was like, who's this? <laughs> Mm, yeah (laughs) biggest surprise of my life um that uh I mean is that does that qualify as paradoxical (laughs) relationships Uh, are paradoxical absolutely (laughs) (laughs) for sure um and I just had to listen to my gut and I you know, I talk about self-talk all the time. Mm-hmm. We all talk to ourselves. Nobody doesn't. It's funny. I've done a lot of word shops and every single time I ask, does anybody here talk to themselves, whether it's live and the hands go up or it's online and they answer in the chat, every single person enthusiastically. <laughs> answers, yes. yes. <laughs> it's an incredible icebreaker because it is true of every single person. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've, I, I work on, I, I hate these declarative statements. Like I've accomplished this. No, I continue to work on listening to myself mm-hmm. um, and cultivating the ability to feel an urge, make space between the urge and the action and acknowledge what's really happening. Mm. Yeah. Um, and therein lies being true to myself and hearing what I'm really saying to myself. I think we know far more than we realize we know. We know what we want. We know what we don't want. And we sit there in conflict for years and years and years. I don't know. It's like, you know, you know, the question is the answer. The fact that you're questioning is the answer. (laughs) Uh 
You want out of the relationship? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you do. Or yeah. you want in, whatever it is, the job, like, I don't really like this. I want to, you've answered your own question. Yeah. Um, what, what we do about it is another story. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And yeah, go ahead. Knowing we all know, we know, we know, we know, we know, yes. we know, we know what we want. Yeah. That's all. Would no, you say I was self. Go ahead, oh, yeah. Would you say self-talk is the same as intuition or is self-talk operationalizing intuition? How are those the same? Are they same? I think your intuition may or may not come out in words in your head. You may just have a bad feeling about something or a good feeling about something. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody's different, obviously. To, to me, I might have that feeling and I got to write about it until the words become clear. Mm. And write, writing is such a powerful, powerful tool. And I use this in my workshops. Mm. Um, we, when we give ourselves permission to write what we're really feeling, to write without mental audience, mm. to write purely for the soul self with to give ourselves permission to do that is, is a profound tool in mm-hmm. self-learning um, about who we really are and who, what we want and who we want to be and what we're capable of. I think people think they have to be a writer yeah. to write. And I get it. I really get it. Cause I've spent <laughs> a lot of time. I won't let the whole sentence out until I like planned it. Mm. And, like I get stuck and like, this doesn't sound the way I want. Just write it, just, just vomit it. <laughs> Let get all the words out. And then you can go back and rearrange things. Um, that is incredibly important. Um, and therein you find yourself talk and therein you find the narrative you're telling yourself and you can decide to change it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In one of your, in, I think it's on your website, um, in the sort of intro video for the word shops, you have a, you're on stage and, and doing a little bit. And in part of that narrative, you say you're, you know, you're trademarked famous. I am, I can, I will, I do. And you describe it as a roadmap. Yes. And what I've heard you say today is, you know, you noticed that you were leading with ego and you were in your head and your teacher recognized that as well. And so we have an audience, Christine, that really I know is going to appreciate this conversation and appreciates tangible, like we call them call to actions. Like what, what could I try? Right. What, what are so, so I would love, you know, I know you're not finished your work. I hear you saying that. And yet I also think you're a person who has well-developed skills in this area. You talk very versant about this. And so you're the perfect person. I would love to hear if you're willing to share just a couple of like, how did you get from where you've been to where you are? Like just a few steps that you took, you know, what, how, for example, how is your message of I am, I can, I will, I do a roadmap? Like, could you just, and how did yeah, you get to start writing? That. Like those kind, like just strategies that perhaps you've used, if you don't mind sharing. I don't mind at all. I'm honored to share that. Um, I am, I can, I will, I do is definitely a roadmap, a tool to get from where you are and move towards where you want to be in order to get anywhere else. You have to know where you are. It is this simple. 
Hmm. You call an Uber. You don't know where you are. It cannot pick you up and you cannot go anywhere. Hmm. Otherwise you're walking aimlessly or waiting to be rescued. We must know where we are. So in the first part of the writing section of a word shop after storytelling is to identify where you are. Finish the sentence, I am. I time it, you have one minute to write down every possible thing that is true about I am. I am on freaked out Avenue between scared street <laughs> and hope alley, which is very small and narrow. <laughs> and one way, the dead right, exactly the other way. <laughs> um, and people will write, I am angry. I am avoiding. I am hurting. I am proud. Like I am strong. Everything you can imagine. Then we put that aside. Mm -hmm. You know where you are now. And it's like 8 million things and it's a jungle. Mm -hmm. But but you have markers. Mm -hmm. You've at least identified a few things around you. And know that this is your present truth. Mm-hmm. Put that aside. I can. What can you do about it? We are ingrained with two ideas. One, we need permission to do anything. And we are ingrained with limitations, Mm -hmm. the idea of limitations, whether it's limitation of fear or limitation of finances or a limitation of somebody else's Mm -hmm. approval, which is tied into the permission piece. Um, So I encourage participants to give themselves permission to imagine everything they can do, Mm. which means let's say the person is in an abusive relationship Mm -hmm. and is a, a, I am afraid to get out, to say, I want out. I can say the words I can lift my voice out of my stomach into my mouth and into the air and shape it with my tongue and teeth to say, I want out. I can say, I want out. So when we think about, I can, like you, you can say that. Yeah. You can say it to someone. If it's not safe to say it to the person you want to say it to, you can say it to someone. You can say the words. You can learn how to skydive. Do you want to? It doesn't matter. It's beside the point. (laughs) You you could if you wanted to. I could, can learn to do a handstand. Yeah, one day, whatever. (laughs) You understand the point. It's like, oh, wait, 
yeah, I can, I can learn to do that. Mm -hmm. So we write down all of the things that we can do and they are scary. Mm -hmm. Also ask people to forget about the financial limitation, because if you think that way, the whole time of your life, then you're, you're going to make that you're going to, it's a self profit. Uh, if you think it, you make it true. Self-fulfilling prophecy. Thank you. That's yeah. what I was trying to say. Yeah, no worries. I got it. <laughs> um, so then we put our I cans aside. Mm -hmm. Now you got to do something about it. Mm -hmm. I will. I will is challenging because it, it implies a commitment. So I ask people to take that pressure of the commitment part of I will just put that aside. Mm. It doesn't matter if you will do it today, tomorrow, next week, next month, in a year, in 10 years, it does not matter. Take that pressure off of how you think about I will. This is about the act of writing it down. Mm. The act of writing it down is a huge step in taking something that could have been a fleeting thought mm. into action. Writing it down is action. It is willing it forward. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we write down all the things that we will do. Put that aside. And finally, we come to I do. I do is an awkward structure of a <laughs> sentence, but we get over that. <laughs> The teacher and me doesn't even care. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so the way I cue participants to think about I do is to imagine yourself in that place where you want to be. The place you called the Uber to get to in the first place. Mm. That version of your life that is perhaps not free of conflict, but where you manage conflict with grace <clears throat> and grit <laughs> and self-respect. You imagine yourself in the place where you have achieved some goal. Mm. An example, I finally, after being very, very scared to go, I finally went to world championships. I was completely intimidated. I do race at the world championship level. Mm -hmm. So while that sentence was not true before it was true mm -hmm. to say it <clears throat> causes you to feel a little, it causes a shift. Mm -hmm. So to say, <clears throat> when you speak, from the place where you've arrived, that place you want to be, mm. you speak to yourself and other people very differently than how you speak to yourself when you call the Uber in the first place. Yeah. You are, you are a different person there. Mm. And so I ask people to write down while it is a future idea, it, and it very much not true yet. Mm -hmm. I do speak my mind. I do stand my ground. I do take time for myself. 
I do not yell at my children (laughs) (laughs) or whatever. Well, I don't know about that one, Chrissy. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. Um, So we write down a whole bunch of things about the life we're imagining. And we put that aside. Then we pull it all back out Mm. and we have one minute. Each of those was only one minute Mm -hmm. to write down everything that you can. We have one more minute where we go back and we choose one thing that we said from each of those four categories. I am, I can, I will, and I do. And each of these sections is timed. You have to put the pressure cooker on it. Sure. You have to put the pressure cooker of, of limited time so that you, you have the urgency to get it out. It makes you hear yourself better. So then they've circled four different sentences. They write them down and they'll have the beginning of a mantra, mm. which may sound like I am frustrated because of blah, blah, blah. And I can do this and that and this and that. And I will someday and I do, et cetera, et cetera. Edit it. I want these mantras to be as short as possible. Mm-hmm. No backstory no explanation, no because, no why, no sisters, aunts, brothers, dog, (laughs) none of that. Yeah. I am angry. Mm. I can speak up. I will say the words. I do live free. Mm. Once you have edited it down to the least words possible, you're really talking about the truth, the root of the truth, no excuses Mm -hmm. and not excusing yourself for feeling what you feel and not trying to explain away. There's all these reasons why you should stay, et cetera. No, this is the truth. Now you have a capsule and now you have a tool. You have a tool where you can at any moment that you see fit excuse yourself to the bathroom, pull out your phone notes and write down. I am so, I I can at least write this down. I will go back out there and breathe. I do Mm. drink a glass of water Mm -hmm. or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. I love, I, I, I just love, love that strategy for so many reasons, Christine. One reason I'll, I'll do a shameless plug. I have a book coming out in October. And one of the things I talk about in this book about in between moments is the key is noticing and naming that moment. Right. And I feel like that's what that activity in some ways is doing. And the other thing I love, and I hope the audience was listening carefully, what you just described if I got the times right, we're talking about five to six minutes of your time. So anybody who says, I don't have time to journal, I don't have time. You've just condensed it into five minutes of your life, right? So if you can't work in that intentionality, come on. So I I think that's a great, great, great strategy. So thank you for that. Mm. Yeah. And to add to that, I love the fact that it's so mindful. And I kept hearing you talk about getting out of this scarcity mindset. (laughs) and also taking ownership of the future. So I thought that was really, and also I'll just take a note too. I saw Carrie and I both 
kind of lift our posture up a little bit more <laughs> as you were talking. So I think we both were playing this exercise in our mind yeah, and afterwards, sure. Carrie, we have to go through it. But yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure. I need to ask before we go on Danielle, cause I'm really curious and this might, I mean, Christine, this might be a hard question to, to answer. So I apologize if it is, I'm just curious, you know, thinking about strategies and people where they are in their journeys, like what was the moment or moments right before this sort of trademarks came out, right? Like what was going on and bubbling up for you that led you to, I am, I can, I will, I do. I mean, that's so powerful. I'm just wondering what was the, I just imagine multiple narratives and messes and dissonance and then boom, this beautiful thing emerged. So what, what was going on? Um, I've never thought about what was going mm. on when it came up. I remember the moment I first said it. Okay. I know exactly Please when tell I first us. Said Yeah. It. If you don't mind sharing that, that'd be great. But as I think back as to what year that happened, mm-hmm. I can narrow it down to mm. like a, a two year period. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can't nail it. Yeah. And that's okay. And I'm not trying to be too personal. I'm just curious. No, okay. Like what okay. was it? Yeah. Um, maybe all my examples are the examples I give because that's where I was. Yeah. Time. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> um, like needing to get out of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I was teaching a cycling class to a packed room at a very popular gym. And I remember the big glass. You put wall. it in the mirror. I've done that too. Okay. Um, I used to bring a marker, one of those mirror markers to class. I've done that. Mm. But the first time I said it, I was, it was the last song of the class and was playing these Japanese Kodo uh, drums. The the group is called Kodo and the song was called Strobe's Nanafushi. Mm. It's an absolutely incredible song. And I remember I was walking the room and the drums are going kaboom, kaboom, kaboom. And everybody's cranking the resistance. And I said, I want you to turn it up until you think you can't. You tell yourself, I am, I can, I will, I do. Now go. Wow. I felt it. <laughs> Everybody felt it. Aww. And the whole room went, Wah! Mm. And it was a moment. It was one of those magical. Mm. Yeah sort of theatrical mm-hmm. moments that happen in like a live cycling class. Yeah. And um, it was something that kept coming back. For weeks, people were like, that moment, I can't, I can't get that mm. moment out of my head. Those words stuck with me. And some, some period of time later, I started to use that song always finished with that song. Yeah. Like this is a different world back when yeah. you would like play the same playlist for a week. <laughs> you don't do that here. <laughs> Every day is a new whole playlist. I mean, yeah. You took your, your tape deck or your CD right, yes. to, uh, you know, 18 studios in one day and nobody ever, you know, nobody mm-hmm. ever, um, you played that song yesterday. No. <laughs> um, so I, I would only say it at the same moment in that song. Mm. Mm-hmm. Then it dawned on me, it was like, oh, you could say it anytime you want. Mm. Oh, <laughs> it's words. I own them. <laughs> yes. And so then I started to just close class with it. That's cool. 
and I would use it in class. And then I added it to my signature or my email. And then I got it Twitter, Twitter and then, you know, I bought the domains. Yeah. And I was like, I think I need to own this. I think this is a thing. Totally. And then fast forward several years, I, I needed to make some money. Mm. Total transparency. I was working at a place and it wasn't working out. Mm -hmm. And I very quickly went from like a bunch of classes to not a bunch of classes. And I was like, oh, mm -hmm. I got to feed my child. So I was like, uh, I applied for a credit card and I put a whole bunch of t-shirts on it and I stamped them with, I am, I can, I will, I do. That's I carved cool. a um, block print. I looked like Googled how to do this <laughs> yeah. and I carved a wood block or whatever is the wood with the mm -hmm. stuff on it. And you get the tools like you did in art class in eighth grade. And I carved it out and I uh, stamped it on a bunch of t-shirts. And I was like, this it takes too much time. I got to use Zazzle or something. <laughs> and, I, like, and I did that. And then I found another printer and, and I put these shirts on Etsy and I, like, the next thing you know, I was like, oh, people want to wear the words. Mm, awesome. Because seeing the words on them mm. reminds them. Remi we need to be reminded. We need reminders constantly. And, you know, whether it's a piece of jewelry mm -hmm. or a t shirt or a bracelet or a ring or a poster, like these things are powerful. Mm -hmm. and I'm honored that anybody wants anything I said <laughs> but I can't you know like the, the words own themselves they mean what they mean and um so I, I'm happy to be able to facilitate reminders that we have agency in our self-talk we have mm -hmm. agency in our narrative and that that's what the work is about is helping people realize that they have agency that's I Good. I just, I, I was, as you were talking, I pictured myself in a room, a packed room with other riders. I mean, you're talking to two indoor cycling enthusiasts right here. So <laughs> I'm wondering too, as you go from these packed rooms to now teaching on a platform with thousands of people with millions of subscribers around the world on Peloton, that message of I am, I can, I will, I do to everything you embody. How do you take this to cultivate belonging? Like I, you've, you've said it, you breathe it, but I'd like to hear from your words. What about this? It's cultivating belonging with everyone that you're teaching and everyone that you're interacting with, even with workshop, just your entire life. Like, how are you cultivating belonging through this? I think that I'm cultivating belonging through my own transparency mm -hmm. and through employing and talking about living with an attitude of curiosity instead of judgment. Mm. I think that there's a lot of judgment in the world. A lot of pop culture is based on levels and judging and looking down and creating a desire to get beyond the velvet rope and I don't believe in that kind of life. And I don't want to be a part of like things that 
make people feel alienated. And so I don't behave in ways that do that. And the, the curiosity principle is key to that. Mm. Um, we have to be curious about each other. And we have to be curious about ourselves. We are so judgmental. We are, so, we are rude. <laughs> we are yes. rude and judgmental, especially to ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> if we're doing it to other people. We are doing it to ourselves. Mm-hmm. And if we can just stop in that moment between the urge to be like, did you see what she's wearing? And pull it back. Because if you're going to judge what she's wearing, then you're judging yourself in that mirror too. Yep. I'll never forget the person who wrote on Facebook, I don't want to take her classes because why would I want to work so hard to look like that? Like what? Like a world champion? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry, not sorry. Like, don't judge because you're clearly judging yourself really, really hard. And that's sad because what might you be capable of if you weren't judging yourself so hard? Mm-hmm. If I judged myself that hard, wow, what joy would I have missed with this Mr. Hicks? If I judged my, I have to maintain this identity because whatever. Yeah. Uh, and what I would miss out on if I hadn't been curious enough to get on a bicycle and win a bike race and suddenly find myself in a world where I'm successful because of my body mm-hmm. and because of my decisions and not because of somebody else's opinion mm-hmm. of the size of my thighs. Yeah. What life is that? Like you can never, you can never win unless you just happen to like line up with a world where that happens to believe that you're just right. Goldilocks style, you know, like, no, everybody's built for something. Yeah. Yeah. I love how you're able to, I feel like not only do I feel like you embrace the multiple narratives, what I wrote down in my notes, Christine, is that you have found, you have found the power and the agency to reframe and use that multiple narrative to the benefit of you and others, quite frankly. I mean, I feel like I benefit from what you've learned and what you share. Every time I get on the bike, I pick, you know, one of your rides. I did your hour long hill ride this week and nearly died and had a great time. Oh. So <laughs> you mean the 11 hill repeats. Yes. Yes. Ouch. It was, yeah, it was, it was brutal. But the other thing you said, and not a but an and the other thing you said that I, that about that Facebook comment that made me curious is when you started out your story about your teacher and the dance and the rhythm class, um, you said that you were intimidated by her. She wasn't intimidating. And you said you were intimidated because she saw you. And I think people shy away from your classes because you see us mm. and that scares the crap out of some people. So I think that comment on Facebook is more about that. And, and that person's worry about being seen by you. <laughs> so I don't know. That's just, that's my observation for the day. <laughs> I appreciate that. I do. Um, that's, that's some, I want to talk about what's real. Yeah. I don't want to talk about what's not real. Like, okay. I'll talk about, like I said this in my live after class, like, yeah, we can talk about like who makes my glitter lipstick, but (laughs) like, okay. And that's fun for a minute, but 
but like, let's talk about what you're talking, what, 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 what's your life? Yeah. Are you happy? Mm-hmm. I want to make a t-shirt that says, are you happy? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I know that's aggressive. <laughs> it's not though. No. It's, I mean, who has time to talk about things that aren't real? I mean, that's how I feel these days, honestly. So um, so I want to be really respectful of your time, Christine, because I know, my goodness, you've gotten engaged, you bought a house, you have a huge race coming up. And I think like, is it seriously five days till your race, something like that? The 14th I or the 15th? The, it starts because I race the 15th. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, so it's really close. So I want to, we always like to end our interviews to give the, the wonderful guests a chance. Is there anything, you know, that we didn't ask you about, or we didn't cover that you just really want to share before we, before we end our, our conversation? I thank you for asking. Um, I would only like to say that it's, I think maybe what I want on my gravestone is she was way bigger than a smaller pair of pants. Mm. Mm. I want, I want to, I I, I wish Mm. I could reach inside everybody's heart who's out there suffering with trying to get into a smaller pair of pants, mm-hmm. like their life depended on it mm-hmm. and give them a little heart hug mm-hmm. and say, you're beautiful as you are. And, and there must be a book you want to write. There must be something you are sitting on that needs to be said. Mm-hmm. There must be something you want to learn a skill, a sport, a craft that is something that's sitting on the shelf that you want to pull down, that you've let go of, put that on your finish lines, Mm -hmm. take your waistline off the finish line, put these things, these, these, these dreams on your finish line and your pants will fall into place. Mm. It's, we are not pounds on a scale and the scale is not a compass. Hmm. We have so much more to offer and our weight, our true weight is in the weight of our words hmm. and in the impact of our actions. That's <clears throat> our matter and our hmm. mass in the world. So I just want people to remember that they are in control of that narrative and no pant size is going to make you worthy or lovable. Your actions, your words, how you treat yourself and talk to yourself, how you love yourself mm-hmm. makes you love able, not so worried about whether you're lovable focus on being love able. Mm. My gosh, there's so much from this podcast. I'm going to want to quote. <laughs> I almost think like, thank God no one can see us. Cause I'm like tears. Are I know I'm like almost welling up with tears. So that's okay. I'm used to that because when, when I ride with Christine, I feel like we cry often in the <laughs> classes. So, which was another thing I didn't think would ever happen when I ride a bike. So, um, so that is, that is a wonderful way to wrap up what was just an absolute delight. And um, I want to say thank you again, Christine, really, truly, this has been an absolute privilege. And I shared with you the beginning that I wasn't going to be one of those weird fans, but 
I am a huge fan and just am so grateful that, I, that we've had the opportunity to really talk to you and learn more from you and about you and can't thank you enough. And I know that our audience is going to be thrilled to hear this interview. So thank you just so much. And I can't wait to see what you do next, Christine. I know there's lots of big things ahead for you. So I am really grateful. I'm very grateful that you reached out and I am honored. So thank oh, you. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks. All right. Thanks, Danielle. Well, this has been another episode of Tell Me This. And I'm your co-host, Carrie Borkowski with Danielle Scarano and Christine Dercole. Thanks, everybody. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, and improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com forward slash BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all of these goals. That's IXL.com forward slash BE.